This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 228 with Kate Swoboda. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned and access to any discounts provided by our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 228. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Kate Swoboda, aka Kate Courageous, is a shameless mom to her three and a half year old daughter, as well as the director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification and the creator of yourcourageouslife.com, where she teaches people how to change old patterns of self-doubt and create courageous habits and courageous lives using the neuropsychology of habit formation. She helps individuals who feel stuck start connecting to their most courageous selves, and she helps companies to create more innovative office cultures where teams at every level feel valued for their contributions to the whole. Kate was deemed one of the top 50 bloggers in health, fitness, and happiness by Greatest. She's contributed to Entrepreneur, USA Today, Forbes, Lifetime Moms, The Intelligent Optimist, Mind Body Green, Business Insider, and more. Kate works with teams, individuals, and companies around the topic of courage as it relates to personal development, releasing overwhelm, business and marketing, money, mindset, wellness, increasing emotional resilience, and healthy goal setting using habit formation techniques. Her first book, The Courage Habit, How to Accept Your Fears, Release the Past, and Live Your Courageous Life, has just come out, and you'll definitely want to order it after hearing this interview. Kate and I dug into a lot of topics here, but I think you'll be most delighted by her response to my final question, what makes you a shameless mom? So make sure you pay special attention when we get to that. 
Listen in to hear Kate share how to get out of fear-based patterns and habits, how to incorporate courage-based habits, her thoughts around perfectionism, pessimism, martyrdom, and self-sabotage, four essential behaviors that cultivate courage and emotional resilience, why fear thrives in isolation and how to find your community, and how to get around the fear of shining too brightly in your life. This was a really fun interview, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's dive in with Kate Swoboda. Kate Swoboda, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I love it when I get to meet someone for the first time on Skype. And during the pre-interview, we're just super chatty and it's really fun. And I already know we're going to be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Bonding over full inboxes and messy computer desktops. Yes, yes. I will share with our listeners because I think so many of them can relate that we literally had a moment talking about how many browsers we keep open on our screens and how stressful it is to reboot your computer. Yes. And do software updates. Like Yes. Never do software updates. (laughs) That's my productivity secret. I'm going to share it with you right now. Never do software updates. They take way too long and always back up your computer. Always back up your computer, but never do software updates. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to chat and I'm excited to dig into everything that you're doing because you talk a lot about things that I talk about, but on a deeper level, especially around courage. And so I'm really excited. I actually just did an episode recently about how to practice courage more regularly and more deeply. So I'm, this is like such perfect timing for us to have a kind of a little continuation part two of that conversation and dig a little deeper into it. So before we dive into all the courage stuff, I would like you to tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal professional life beyond your bio. And what are you most excited about right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of stuff in there to unpack. I know. <laughs> so like dynamics of my personal and professional life and what I'm most excited. Okay. So the answer that arises to me in this moment is that one thing that I'm really excited about is the dynamics of my personal and professional life are in like a really great sweet spot. And like life is flux. And I know it's all about, you know, I don't really do the balance thing, but I'm into proportion. So like, I don't tend to think that life is ever balanced, but proportionally, you know, like work hard, play hard, you Mm. know, that kind of a system works for me. And I know life is always in flow. I know I will be kicked onto my butt again, but in this <laughs> moment and most recently in my life, I can genuinely say I've been walking in a space of being like really trusting in my inherent goodness, mm, I love you know, that. like not like better than other people. That's yeah. crazy. But like, I'm talking about trusting that I know my heart and I know that I have good intentions and that I'm really committed to seeing more clearly and stretching into more integrity every single time I realize that something's misaligned and just like not getting very caught in the inner critic stuff. Mm. And I don't know, something shifted for me a couple months ago and it's been this really, really juicy, wonderful, blissful soul enlivening place where I'm still feeling all my feelings, you know, I feel fear, feel worry, or I feel these things. And then it, it just feels like it's easier than it's ever been in my life to just go, you know what, though, I think I've got this. 
I love that you said it's easier than it's been in the past because what I was thinking about the whole time you were talking is that I've never done a word of the year. This is the first year I've chosen one because this word resonated with me when I heard someone else talking about it. And I was like, this needs to be my first word of the year. And the word is ease. And that's something Mm. I struggle with because sometimes I like to make things hard for myself. (laughs) And when you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, like she's living in in ease in so many different ways, knowing that like there's going to be times that are hard, but that's okay. And knowing that like some Sometimes we have to, you know, dig deep and things get uncomfortable, but there can still be an ease about that. And I, I love all that. Yeah. I am the first way to knock yourself off of ease is to go be like, all right, I'm feeling easeful. How do I make sure this happens forever and ever and ever for the rest of my life? It's like, uh, instantly knocked off. <laughs> so the universe yeah, so. will throw something really special your way. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just very in this space of like, you know, things are really amazing. I keep wanting to use the word stupendous, but because of certain people in certain presidential administrations, I'm like, I'm not going to use that word. But before that word was ruined, (laughs) maybe that would have been a word. That that would have been the word. Yeah, yeah. But I'm feeling really, really blissed out and good in my life. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of challenge. Mm -hmm. And I know I get it. Like, this sounds like so contradictory. And I am really hoping that your listeners are not like doing a collective eye roll right now, because (laughs) I think I would have been. But there's some kind of sweet spot that I've just been in for the last couple months. It's very new for me, where it's like, yeah, sure, I feel feelings of stress, but it's just not feeling like a thing lately. Yeah. You know, it's like I feel it and it just doesn't feel like it has, I guess a way to put it is it doesn't feel like it has power over me. So I totally understand that and I relate to that. And I think that so much of it has to do with perhaps coming to a place of having done so much work on yourself and work with other people that your perspective shifts and evolves to a point that you can live in stress and chaos and exhaustion and (laughs) discomfort, but none of those things have that you can still, in addition to that, feel the ease and feel the gratitude and see the joy and find the magic. Yeah. I mean, something like that. And like, I think the shift, you know, because the next, you know, thing that I would wonder about if I heard somebody talking about this is like, well, where can I get me some of that? You know, like how (laughs) how that happened, (laughs) you know, and supplement. Yeah. And so like, you know, a moment ago, I think I heard you use the phrase living in the chaos, exhaustion, stress. And I think that actually the difference is I'm not living in it. Mm -hmm. Like I would live in it and just try to manage it. And what feels really different lately is that it's just like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to like live in that. Like, I don't like how worried I feel about that thing. So, huh, let me just like take a breath and, you know, see what I want to do about that. You know, like I had to have a really tough conversation with someone recently and like for sure, you know, heart pounding kind of feelings happening, but like, I know I'm going to be okay Yeah. and this isn't where I'm going to stay. And I don't totally know what's enabled me to make the switch to going like, oh, I'm not going to stay here. This isn't a place I'm going to live. I don't totally get that yet, but nonetheless, that I think is a piece of it that I would unpack, you know, is is like really just going, I don't like how I feel. This doesn't feel good. Like, I don't want to feel exhausted. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to. I don't care what the supposed payoff might be. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just, no, it's not working for me. So taking responsibility for 
how you choose to sit in discomfort, maybe. Yeah, it feels like a place of intentional creation. God, I feel like every single one, don't get me wrong, like there's another part of my brain that hears all these phrases and it's like, (laughs) you know, like a lot of people listening to this is going to be, is this like that goop conscious uncoupling thing? Like just call the thing a thing. It's a divorce, you know? I mean, (laughs) I guess the most heartening aspect of all of this is that if I haven't completely lost touch with that kind of sarcastic, feisty aspect of myself, who's like, oh, please, woman, you know, <laughs> like, then I know it's authentic. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I know it's not like a role I'm adopting. I don't know. Right. It's a sweet spot. I won't belabor the point anymore, but it's a sweet spot. This is the longest I've ever been in mm. this kind of a place, you know, I've been in this kind of a place for a day or a week. But we're going on many months now and it's feeling really good. And I'm like, all right, wonderful. I'll take it. Well, I love all that. And I totally appreciate that. Like you have to keep the sarcastic edge. I have friends who I've known for, you know, decades and they see all my stuff on social media. And I I know sometimes they're like, like, Sarah, we know you just drop a lot of F-bombs. Could you like get over all like all the social media, you know, powerful messages and what have you? And be a little more sassy like you are in, sometimes in your personal life. So I think it's important to recognize like both parts of that. So the way I've been embracing that is like, I want to be in these very specific, powerful places in my life. And I want to project that to the world. And I want to share that with other women to inspire them to find those places. But also, I want to be like sassy and irreverent. And so you can find me doing that on Instagram stories. <laughs> like there needs there to go. be that place. Like those things have to exist together because I can't just talk like life coach lingo all the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There you go. I love it. So let's talk about, and this is actually a good segue from where we've been into where I want to go. Let's talk about fear-based habits versus courageous habits, because I'm guessing that a lot of women listening to this, you know, like you said, might be rolling their eyes at like, sure, just like say you want to be blissed out and then you can be blissed out. Like, what does that even mean? And I think for many women, it's and many people, it's because we tend to live in fear-based habits. I think that's pretty natural. And especially when we're living in chaotic lives as moms, <laughs> tell us about the difference between those habits and what do courageous habits look like in comparison to fear-based habits? Yeah. So one of my favorite things about writing the courage habit was geeking out on the research, because I actually think that the parts of us that pop in and are like, oh, come on. Like, it's good to have some critical thinking. It's good to have some healthy skepticism that kind of evaluates an idea. And so really finding research that supports some of these ideas that otherwise might be considered very woo was really great. So there are, you know, the argument that I'm making or perspective I'm taking in my book is that a fear is not this thing that just like, takes over us, right? Fear is actually, or fear-based habits are things that we're practicing regularly. And that if we want to start shifting out of feeling like, you know, and you can call fear anything you want, right? Like you can call it self-doubt or you can call it lack of confidence, but really it's just fear. And if we want to shift out of that and stop letting it hold us back from the things that we really want in life, we've got to really identify how the fear-based patterns are at work in our lives and then start Looking at that moment, because you're not going to get rid of the fear-based patterns, but more so becoming conscious about when you're about to go in them and then going, okay, where's the opportunity to practice a courage-based habit instead? There are four things, four patterns, I guess you could say, that are really at the heart of those fear-based behaviors. And I categorize them as 
perfectionism, I'm raising my hand for that one. (laughs) Pessimism, raising my hand for that one, because we all do all of these, just some of them more than others. Martyrdom, which is like people pleasing and self-sabotage. And technically, all of these are forms of self-sabotage, but there are slight differentiators between each one. So perfectionism, most people are pretty familiar with that. That's like trying to get it all perfect, trying to do it all perfect, working harder to try to outrun your fear. Pessimism is that kind of like, well, I got to be realistic. So like having some kind of a dream or something that you want to do, some different way of being that you want to step into. It's not always about you know, building a business. Sometimes it's since we had kids, my marriage has not felt good. We feel like roommates. Mm -hmm. But then having a pessimism about the possibility for things to change or there's no time, there's no money, there's no Mm -hmm. da da da. The busy badge. That's like one of my big ones. For sure. For sure. That everything is just always overwhelming and always will be overwhelming. And I'm always overbooked and it's always crazy. And I'm always a hot mess. Yeah, I like that term, the busy badge. And for sure, I do not ever deny that there are people who are experiencing very real oppression in the form of like lack of access to money and resources. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about someone who truly is in a place where they could make different decisions and they just don't. And then there's martyrdom and martyrdom is like a slightly different flavor. Again, martyrdom is more about like just being so focused on say your kids that it's like, it's selfish for me to go after the things that I want. I need to really be, you know, a 24-7 on-call mom. Mm-hmm. And martyrdom can also show up like with over-devotion to your job. And then self-sabotage. And again, it's a slightly different flavor. All of these are technically self-sabotage. But when I'm talking about self-sabotage, I'm talking about things like procrastinating to the point where you cut off options or you're working hard to grow your business and finally getting somewhere and a client has contacted you and they want to work with you and you're so intimidated that you sabotage it by just never responding to the email. So this perfectionism, pessimism, martyrdom or people pleasing and self-sabotage are the four main ways that these fear-based habits express themselves. If you want to get into living a more courageous life, it's not about how do I like never do those things because you're going to do them anyway. It's more about how do I take these fear-based patterns that have become habits and notice when I'm going into habit by default and create a courageous habit instead. And the research that I found has really, really identified four different particular behaviors to go into. You can do one of them or you can do all of them all of them together is particularly powerful and potent. And those four behaviors are accessing the body. So this is about noticing fear sensations and dealing with them rather than trying to avoid them or white knuckle your way through them. Reframe limiting stories. So there's accessing the body, listening without attachment and then reframing limiting stories. So we have all got this critic that's in our head you know, you're not going to get that critic to go away forever. I'm not into the whole like kick fears ass kind of a movement because I don't think that that actually works. Like you can sort of get your fear to like shut up for a while with that, but you're not going to get it to go away. And furthermore, you do more damage because fear is really a wound and it's trying to protect you in this really dysfunctional way by telling you that you're lame when you try to go after your dream. Mm. If it can tell you that you're lame and then you don't go after your dream, then the intimidation factor goes down. 
So you got to listen without attachment to that voice. And then you got to reframe limiting stories. I'm not talking about positive affirmations. I'm talking about like super practical. If you compare yourself to all the other moms at the PTA and your critic is going, you suck, they're better. You listen without attachment to that critic. And then it's like reframing a limiting story. Here's the thing. So-and-so's mom, you know, she has more time to work out than me. And that arouses some stuff for me that I feel kind of guilty about. And I think what I'd actually like to step into is just really having some compassion and acceptance of my body right here, right now. So it's not about like going to this place where you're like, they suck and I'm better. My body's perfect. <laughs> and, and it's like, how do you just reframe out of the limiting story that there's something wrong with you in that moment? Right. Right. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. Filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people with, heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and it, I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all 
types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. And last, reach out and create community because fear thrives in isolation and it diminishes in community. And when you reach out and you have other people in your circle who are really interested in noticing their fear rather than trying to like project some kind of image and then do something different with their fear that empowers you as well. So it's access the body, listen without attachment, reframe limiting stories and reach out and create community. This is so great. And one of the things you just said really struck me and I see this happen so much. You said fear thrives in isolation. And I think that that's something that is so common for women to hold on to. And even women who are well-connected and have great communities, I think we still hold things very quietly and privately. Like I've heard them referred to as secret doubts or like Mm -hmm. secret fears that we don't tell other people. And so even though we might be well-connected, we still have these things that we hold very close to us that we don't share with other people. And that still can feel very isolating, even though we might have a sense of community around us. So can you talk a little bit more about fear thriving in isolation and the different levels of working from the inside out if you have community around you and if you don't? Yeah. So first I'll just say, if you don't have community around you, like the internet is the place to go. Like I get it. Like I would prefer that every single amazing internet friend that I have, like I have this vision that if I ever won the million gazillion lottery, I'd want to buy up like a whole block of houses and then get all my internet friends to live in the houses (laughs) around me. And then we could all just like have community dinners every night with our children running around the backyard together, you know, but that's not the reality. Mm -hmm. And I have friends who I have hardly ever seen and even friends I've never met in real life who like when you see these people who really live from the values of courage, which are about things like, you know, if a hard truth needs to be spoken, confronting with kindness, not tough love. Tough Mm -hmm. love just shuts people down. Confronting with kindness brings empathy to the situation. So if you're really around a, a lot of people, whether it's online or in person, that's like priority numero uno if you don't have that community. Like really try to get that in there. And then I think that, you know, there's a story I told in the book, The Courage Habit, in that chapter actually. And it's about, I had run my first ever online course and I ran into a bump with that course. And I mean, it's like a longer and more involved story, but I was like super in, you know, compare and despair and like, you know, embarrassment and I didn't handle this or that thing perfectly or did I? I don't know. You know, somebody was upset with me and basically I just kind of like made it through the rest of this course and was like, oh, that's over. So this is like ages ago, like 10 years ago. So basically 
you know, I'm here and I already have a lot of tools. I have a lot of great stuff that I do. And yet I was kind of going through this thing internally. Mm -hmm. So a friend of mine happens to visit San Francisco and she's somebody who had run a bunch of courses before. And she's like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Let's hang out. And we're walking around Chinatown and we're hanging out. And, da, da, da. and she's like, so how did it go with the course? And I tell her the truth. And, you know, in my mind, in that moment, I'm just being courageous in the sense that I'm finally willing to just like tell it like it is. But here's the thing that she pointed out for me. She like suddenly went, so like, how many people did you have in the course? And I was like, 60. And she was like, wait, hold on. Like, <laughs> you know, one person was upset. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, Kate. <laughs> and I had not even realized this, you know, like me, right? Yeah. Like I do. And that's the thing is that we get these blind spots. Totally. We get these places where we don't even see how hard we're being on ourselves. And that's part of unhooking from this I don't know, like weird media ideal that I think we all get conditioned into where we're somehow supposed to grow older and become these wise sages. <laughs> who, like, I don't see all of my own blind spots. I right. don't know all of the things that maybe I should do differently in life or, da, da, da. you know, I don't know. We're not meant to do it alone. That's the bigger thing. Right, right. We're not meant to do it alone. So it's this shift that's about, how do we get unhooked from that mentality? How do we stop thinking we're supposed to do it alone since we're not anyway? And reaching out and creating community with other people who are willing to do things to help you see yourself differently is really helpful. And like, just as a for instance, in that moment, my friend, which he provided for me was reframing my limiting story. I had this limiting story that I'd somehow failed or that I should have done better. And she was completely reframing it for me around actually, no, this is like a really great thing. If you have 60 people in a course and only one person is happy with you, like you're fine, you know? Yeah. So this is such an interesting topic around the online piece of it, because I think that when you first said, like, if you don't have a community around you, like locally, find them online. And a lot of times, and you addressed this a minute ago, that a lot of times people would advise the opposite, like get offline, stop comparing yourselves, stop living the social media world where everything is presented in such a pretty package. Like those things exist together that if we're online, there's a good chance we're going to be exposed to things that cause self doubt and comparison and take us down these rabbit holes that can be damaging. And if we're online, there can be these amazing places where we can connect and build new relationships and that can be really life-changing and life-giving. And so how do you recommend people protect themselves from some of the damage that can be done while in that online space versus finding the gifts that can be there? Well, the first thing I do is I totally reframe the orientation of protecting yourself. Like if I feel like I'm looking at somebody else's website and I'm going into comparisons, they're mm -hmm. not doing anything to me that I need to protect myself from. That's my stuff. I'm the one going into thinking that what I notice far more often, well, maybe not far more often, maybe that's not fair, but what I notice is how often people dull their own flame. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons people dull their own flame is because they're afraid of being the person who is related to somebody else's feelings of compare and despair. Like they don't want to shine too brightly. You know, I think there's a phrase I've heard 
that Australians use, although maybe it's a worldwide phrase, but I heard some Australians talking about it as a colloquialism, tall poppy syndrome. Like, who are you to stand out so much? Who are you to shine so bright? So for sure, there are marketers out there and anybody who's listening to this needs to know this. There are marketers out there who are intentionally trying to push on your pain points. They are talking about secrets that you don't have that you should, of course, buy their product to get. They are talking about things, you know, do you feel like you're always the one who's left out? You know, they're using this language that like would be really highly triggering for just about anyone. So that's like an altogether different kind of a situation. I can see how that kind of behavior is predatory. But I have a real commitment in my own life whenever I'm feeling jealousy, jealousy as in like the healthy kind, the kind where I'm like, I really want that thing that that person over there has to really go, you know what, hold on. This is the proof that it can be done. Yes, totally. Good on you that you have a million gazillion followers and that you sold out your course in one second and overloaded your server and, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) that you had this like massive success and, you know, like you're the proof actually that it can be done. Right. And I don't mean that as like some pithy thing that I'm like putting on just to make myself feel better. I literally believe that. And I also think too that part of me enabling myself to shine brighter has got to involve the practice of letting someone else shine as bright as they want to shine. Yeah. And just being good with that. Like it's not always my turn. And there are certainly things that I've had in my life where somebody else is going to be like, well, why does she get that? You know, comparing insides to other people's outsides and stuff like that. And, you know, like if your podcast goes viral tomorrow and, you know, Oprah and everybody else is calling you, I can't imagine that you would like the idea that other people were going, I now need to protect myself from that shameless mom woman, you know, like it's, you know, that wouldn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're not doing anything. You're just trying to live your life and be brilliant and great. So I think the work is about why am I going into comparisons in the first place? Why am I thinking, you know, what do I want to strengthen? What do I want to develop resilience around so that I'm not thinking that it means anything whatsoever that somebody else has had success? It means nothing to me, like to me, to my path. If somebody else I know has great success, they deserve it. Kudos to them. I was listening to Erin Brown speak a few years ago, and she's someone who I really admire in the body positivity space. And she was talking about a friend of hers running her first 5K. And she said, like, her friend reached out to her and was like, yeah, I just ran my first 5K and it was so great. And like, she immediately had this thing where, and this was years ago for her, but at that time she had not done like a major running event and she immediately had this thing where she was like, Oh my gosh, if she just ran her first 5k, like that means I can't run a first 5k. And so this tendency that we have to see someone else's success and assume that it means that we can't do it or that like there's a limited amount of people in the world that can do it. So I love Mm -hmm. your point. That's totally the opposite. And so true that seeing someone else do it means that it can be done and means that it's attainable. And I've found myself in that situation a few times recently where I've had the opportunity to sit and have amazing conversations with people who are ridiculously successful. And I've definitely 
through monitoring carefully my own self-talk, I've definitely been able to get to the point of seeing that, oh my gosh, that means I can totally do that because actually these people are not special. They're unique, but they're not special. Like no one's special. We can all do these things. So I need to find my unique way of doing that thing that it's absolutely attainable. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is too, that for people who are shining, who are worried about shining too brightly for the people around them or triggering other people around them with how they're shining, there's no way to dull your flame enough to save someone else from that. That's you such know, a good It's point. like it doesn't even actually work, right? So there's this thing we do where we think we need to protect ourselves from seeing the great things happening to someone else because it throws a mirror up on all the great things that are not happening for us at that moment or the things we wish were happening that haven't arrived yet or, you know, whatever, however it plays out, the comparisons start. And it's like, well, trying to hide out from seeing the fact that they are successful is doing nothing but avoiding the thing you're afraid of. And I don't think that works. And instead I think what works to heal that and to step honestly into a place where you can be going like good for you you know, awesome. I'm sure you did something to get over to there and or sometimes that's just how the universe works. Sometimes it's just not universe like law of attraction. I'm talking just like the world at large. We can't know why. We can't know why good people die. We can't know why bad things happen to really good people. And we can't know why great things happen to other people, you know? Right, right. We can't always know why. So I try to just, I don't know, like keep my head on my own paper and keep pivoting in the direction of my own personal joy and not worry about the accolades that come with it and not dull my flame. Because for sure, anybody who's ever helped me has been someone who has not dulled their flame. Because how else could they help me if they hadn't walked through the fire? Absolutely. I was just talking to a woman the other day about, um, she started a blog and she said, I'm really comfortable talking about my blog when it's with people I don't know. So like maybe over on Instagram, but she's like on my personal Facebook page where it's mostly my friends and family. She's like, I just feel really nervous putting it on there because I feel like they don't know me in this way or they don't know that I'm doing this thing and they might judge me. And she was having all these kind of internal conversations about it. So she's like, yes, I'm just not really sharing it over there. She's like, I'm not really telling people like the people closest to her. She's like, I'm just not really telling them that I started a blog. And I was like, whoa, 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 we need to talk about this for a minute. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, I actually shared with her, I said, I've been in situations where like the people who are closest to me sometimes can be the most difficult people to shine in front of just because I think they know you in a different way they can automatically, and not necessarily in a bad way, but they can automatically make you feel a little more vulnerable. And I mean, I think of like my mom, for example, and I've always said, you know, when I speak on stage, I would never want my mom to be in the room because I know that she would be so excited and so proud of me that she'd be crying (laughs) the whole time. And Mm. then I would be crying the whole time. So there's like this intimacy of that relationship where sometimes I need to like have a little bit of a boundary around what I put out into the world because it's so close and that can be a little uncomfortable or challenging to navigate. So I was talking through that with her around letting people know what you're doing and shining brightly because 
those are people that you're ultimately going to help and inspire. And if they're not into it, that's fine. Like they don't have to be into everything that you're doing. It's totally fine. But also I love your point that like you shining brightly is never going to save them from how they feel. Like it's so go ahead and do your thing. Like there's, <laughs> you can't lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So I think that most of us assume that to be more courageous, we just have to constantly push ourselves to do more scary things. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What are some small ways that we can live more courageously and start to practice courage? And actually, prior to that, do you think that practicing courage is what makes us more courageous? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone's born courageous. I think it's who you are because you practice it. Yeah. It's not like something that is innate to you. I've read a lot about the psychology of courage, which I find really interesting. Usually when the psychology of courage is studied, it's like a case study format. And they look at specific people who seem to have no fear about running into burning buildings to save people and stuff like that. They'll, sometimes they'll call it moral courage. And I thought this was just so amazing that scientists or uh, psychologists are actually trying to understand, like, what is the courageous mindset? What is it? What's it comprised of? How is it cultivated? And there are all kinds of different theories about how it's cultivated. But the connection I made really to habit formation, I think, is the way I'll go with talking about this question, because the way habit formation works in the brain is something that when we've done something long enough, it just feels, quote unquote, natural. So we're talking about doing small things in your life to move away from thinking of courage as this thing you have to find or this thing that if you aren't already that way, you just never will be. You can absolutely practice this, make it habitual, and become a more courageous person, like just as a default way of being. So the way science 
understands how habit formation works in the brain is that habit formation is controlled by a part of the brain called the basal ganglia. And I think of it as being like the project manager of the brain. All the stimuli is coming in and the basal ganglia is going, what do we do with this? And with things that scare us, the basal ganglia by now, if you've been on the earth a couple decades is going, ah, I know how we handle this. We go into total self-sabotage and like go eat bonbons on the couch and watch Netflix so that we don't have to feel so intimidated about going after our dream. And that does get us to the place we want to be in that moment. There's this cue of fear, a routine, if it's fear-based, like self-sabotage and the reward of feeling less stressed out. And it does work in that moment, as I just said. Doesn't work in the long term, though. So that's why we've got to start really getting into those small daily behaviors of going cue of fear routine. I want to go into. Well, let's see here. Which one will I pick? Accessing the body, reaching out and calling a friend, noticing what my critic's saying to me right now instead of running away from it, reframing that limiting story. What's my response going to be? And that will get you to the decreased stress, which is the whole point of that cue routine reward loop, but it's going to have a much more long-term sort of a benefit. So when I'm talking about really small things, I am literally talking about that moment that I know every mom has been in. You're standing in your kitchen, your partner comes in, your toddler starts throwing a fit, Mm. And social scientists actually have a word for like who you are in that moment. And it's called role overload. It's like, who are you supposed to be in that moment? Especially like if you're a business owner, if I'm standing in my own kitchen, I have a husband, I have a three and a half year old daughter as of this recording. And if I'm standing there in my kitchen in that moment, and I'm thinking about something for my business, and I'm thinking about running my household and getting dinner ready. So there we go, two roles already, business owner, running the household. My husband says something to me. There's another role, wife. My daughter starts throwing a fit. There's another role, mom. You know, that's role overload, and it's pretty overwhelming. And so it's this moment of just kind of like before it becomes, you know, getting snippy with my husband or getting snippy with my daughter or feeling completely like, ah, I'm going to forget this thing I need to do. Just like actually saying to my husband, Hold on a second. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Turn to the post-it. Write down the thing. Daughter's screaming in the background. Can you handle her right now? No? Okay. I'll handle her for five minutes. And then can you come in? Because I got to go do something real quick before I forget. And then, you know, when the critic comes up and is like, you're a lame mom. You know, you're a lame mom. Going, like, breathe. Access the body. You know what? I'm doing the best I can right now. And I think that all of these resilient behaviors that are cultivated when you do things like access the body, I actually think they're really applicable to parenting. I mean, one of my goals is as a parent is to try to teach my daughter that when you have too many feelings happening at once, you totally can claim the space of like, I need to take a breath. You know, like I'm not actually supposed to answer to my partner's needs or a client's needs or a child's needs. I'm not a robot. I'm not supposed to have this instantaneous habit-driven 
response of I'm going to meet your needs. You know, that's not how humans are supposed to work. I'm not supposed to be perfect. I'm not supposed to be a martyr. And I really don't like how I feel when I'm pessimistic or self-sabotaging. So I'm really about like, how do we interrupt those patterns? And to me, that's the daily moment. And it's hard. I am not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's kumbaya and a meditation. It is hard. Yes, <laughs> it, at is. First, it is. At first, I should yeah. add. It's yeah, yeah. hard at first. You have and to then- catch yourself. Like You have to find those places where you can catch yourself. Because I think a lot of times it's the beginning process of just learning to catch yourself. And like you said, like looking for those cues or finding the place for them is that's the hardest part. I think we don't realize we've already gone past the moment through the moment that like, Oh, that's where I was supposed to do that. And luckily it's only hard at first because the more you practice it, I mean, this is a pretty exciting proposition to me. Imagine if the same way that right now fear-based habits feel almost out of your control because they're so habitual. Imagine if courage-based habits right. were that habitual for you. Whoa, holy freaking powerhouse. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I was so happy my publisher allowed me to include as part of the book, it's a book bonus of this audio to do a body scan because sometimes when we're feeling really stressed and particularly as moms – we feel completely disconnected from our bodies. It's like, how am I supposed to notice when I'm about to go into a fear-based habit when I feel like everything is just chaos and like I don't even notice anything? Yeah. Well, to me, my answer is like part of the practice is taking that moment and really starting to get acquainted with your body again, your body and like how you do life and, and, and. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that especially when we have very little children. And so like Mm -hmm. for me, it was in the first year after my son was born for the sake of his survival, I had to stop listening to myself and he had a lot of feeding issues. And so, I mean, I think that a lot of moms go through that on different levels, but I think that like in my situation was like, literally I had to stop listening to my body because I had to keep this baby fed, which took everything in me. And that was really, really challenging. And it took me a long time to recover from that because first of all, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't expect that. I thought that newborn land would be way more magical than it was. Oh, of course. We all think it's going to be the side of the Pampers box, you know, like with the first one. (laughs) Yes. So then it took me like literally two to three years after that to kind of unpack that whole first year and be like, whoa, what even happened there? And how can I now like recover from that and reclaim my life? And that was really like what ended up starting the podcast was I realized I had been through all that and was like, okay, and now I'm in my body again. And I can like talk about having gone through all this. So I think that a lot of it is unconscious that we don't realize that we're not connected to our body anymore. And so therefore, like you've mentioned, like the practice of being more conscientious. I mean, I think there's so many ways to start doing that. And I think if you start doing it in other ways, just in practicing small bits of self-care along the way, you'll be able to start catching yourself in those moments, I think a lot more quickly and easily. So you can cue those habits around courage. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Okay. So tell us in what ways you are a shameless mom. (laughs) It's such a dangerous question. (laughs) Because I hope you have a dangerous answer. I'm very curious. I do have a dangerous answer. And I've been on the receiving hand of a couple of mom police before. And so I know it's a dangerous answer. 
you know, I live in Northern California. I don't do any of the things that quote unquote you should as a mom, not any, any, I mean, I love my kid with every breath I've got. I jump in front of a car for her. I think she's delicious and I hug her and squeeze her and, you know, give her everything I can in life. But, you know, I didn't co-sleep. I didn't breastfeed. I did cry it out when it was time to sleep train. And I think they were all fantastic ways of being. And I don't think that she's insecurely attached whatsoever. I tell her no. I do it kindly. You know, not perfect. Of course, I have yelled or screamed before when I've just like been at my absolute limit. But it's not a common occurrence. But I do tell her no. I don't do this thing that is really, <laughs> really prevalent, at least in the area where I live, where it's like people don't want to tell their kids no. And instead, they have long involved conversations with tiny little humans who don't even have frontal cortexes to understand any of it. In my opinion, I do time out. I don't do a shame based time out, you know, like shunning her. But like, it's a time out to take a breath. We do screen time, not a ton of it, but we do it. She's allowed to, you know, own the Disney princesses. I think she's got Disney princess socks at this point, even though I'm an ardent feminist, you know, on and on and on. Oh my you gosh. Know, like all these things that just like, I mean, I live in Sonoma County. I live about 45 minutes away from Berkeley, California, which is like ground zero for the ethos that the proper way to parent is, you know. And by the way, let me hurry up and say this. If another person wants to parent differently, I don't think they're wrong or bad right? at all. But that doesn't work for me. And I very much think that it's BS or, you know, I'm trying not to curse here, <laughs> uh, you know, because I've had, you know, when I did cry it out with my daughter when she was about seven, eight months old, you know, I mean, like I did have somebody who does a different style of parenting who's like that's psychologically damaging for children. And it's like, it's not actually, it's not actually psychological. Of course, if you dump a kid somewhere and give no context whatsoever and, you know, like don't meet their needs, it's damaging, but it's not actually damaging, you know, to do cry it out. There are whole countries where the ethos for most people is cry it out and they're securely attached. Mm -hmm. My parents did cry it out with me. I'm securely attached. My husband's parents did it with him. He's securely, you know, it's like, it's just these ideas that get really dogmatic and then get used to judge and put down other moms, I think are really, you know, they don't foster community. No, it's really damaging. Yeah. And I was applying to a graduate level counseling program many, many years ago. And one of the prerequisites was a child development course. And there was somebody in that course who came out and was like, you know, when we were talking about child development was like super, like, you know, cry it out is psychologically damaging. And this and this and this is psychologically damaging. And the professor of this prerequisite course on child development was like, cool, can you show us your sources? And like, this person could not show really any clinical research-backed sources. For sure, cry it out is damaging if parents dump their kid in a playpen all day and don't respond to the child's cues or needs, are not in tune with what's up for 
the child at any given point. Like, of course that's damaging, but that's like a whole other level. That's not, hey, the bedtime routine is we love you and we give you snugglies and we turn on some music and we do a nightlight and we rock you and we, you know, but hey, like I'm not coming in once you're in your crib. You know, like that's a different thing than just dumping a kid in a crib and not being attentive to your child's emotional state. And I think they get kind of put into this black and white. So that's how I'm a shameless mom. It's like a dangerous (laughs) territory to go into because what happens is people either, you know, like I said, like I have parents who parent very differently than I do. And I'm like, cool, I want you to parent the way that, you know, I'm not judging it if somebody's different. I want them to parent in the way that makes them feel most connected to parenting and mothering and all of that. But it's not me. I thought it would be. It was the shock of a lifetime to me. That's, oh my gosh. I've had a lot of shocks like that as well, where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I I thought I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It turns out that was awful. So I had to- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that too. I totally (laughs) thought that too. And then baby wearing. I thought I was going to be a baby wearer. Well, you know- five different types of baby wraps later. And yes, I did. You know, it's like as soon as you're like, oh, that baby wrap didn't work for me. Somebody who loves baby wearing is like, oh, but did you try the da-da-da? That's the best one. (laughs) It's like my daughter screamed her head off every single wrap we tried. She did not like any of them. You know, like she did not like any of them. I don't know why, but she didn't. And I think that the way that I parent is what enables me to show up as the most present, loving, engaged, totally adoring my daughter, mom, that I can be. And so if somebody wants to parent differently and do the baby wearing and do the breastfeeding and do the da da da, like, and they feel that way as a mom, I am like more power to you. It's the moments when anybody from any parenting camp starts going, my way's better and you're psychologically damaging your child that I'm like, okay, you need to sit down there. Like, you know, like, it's not actually true. There's no actual research that there is officially for sure. And without exception, one best way to raise children. Right. I have to say, I think this is maybe my favorite answer ever for in what ways are you a shameless mom? (laughs) Because (laughs) everything you you said, I know people were like, what? No. Oh my God. But I appreciate it. And I'm in Seattle, which is very similar to where you are. Mm-hmm. And except for in addition to like everyone having to like co-sleep and breastfeed and all the things that you don't do, we also have to like drive Priuses and recycle and compost everything, which I probably, do all those so, things. Yeah. So there's that. credit. Right. And I'm a vegan. I'm like a self-righteous <laughs> oh vegan. So there's like know? this <laughs> level of conscientiousness living. And maybe it's mostly a West Coast thing then, but there's this level of conscientiousness that is so overwhelming and so exhausting. And prior to having a child, I could buy into that. I totally was like, yes, organic, everything all the time. And then I had a kid and I was like, oh my God, I'm like, whatever meat is in front of me, that's what we're eating. And if it's not organic, oh, well, like people have not eaten organic and survived. So we're going to survive. So Mm -hmm. things really, really shifted for me after I had my son and when nursing was so hard. And now when I watch conversations on the internet about nursing, I just want to be like, everyone do formula. Nursing sucks. So I can relate (laughs) to so much of what you said. And some of those things I did, some of them I didn't do, but it doesn't matter because you do the thing that works for you because you're doing the best you can. And that's going to look different from one family to the next. So I just, I so appreciate your honesty with all of that. That was really, really fantastic. Oh yeah. So this has been so fun and so 
enlightening in, in many different ways. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Can you please tell people where they can find you so they can have these more courageous moments in their life and overall live a more courageous life? Well, I am over at yourcourageouslife.com. My book, The Courage Habit, is, you know, on Amazon and find booksellers everywhere, you know? Perfect. <laughs> That's my voice. Fine booksellers everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a Courage Habit tour. So I might be going to some places in people's area. So if people go to couragehabit.com, they can probably find the events link, I hope. Let us know if not. And then I run a life coach certification program that is like courage is at the heart of everything we do. And it's called the Courageous Living Coach Certification. And that is at tribeclcc.com. I was telling Kate before we started recording that I started digging into her website and I joke on the show about what an excellent stalker I am. So no one will be surprised <laughs> to know that I was totally stalking your website. But I was so excited about the things that you're doing. And I specifically loved reading through what you're doing with your coaching certification. So I mean, I want people to go get the book. I want people to go see all the things that you're doing. And if you have any interest in life coaching kinds of things, definitely check out tribeclcc.com. And then I will have all the links mentioned, including access to the book and your website and your certification and everything all over on the show notes at shamelessmom.com. Awesome. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing yourself. Thank you for being honest and open and saying things that are a little counterculture, at least to us West Coasters. <laughs> I so appreciate all of it. All right. Thanks for having me. This was such a fun interview. I learned so much. I'm sure you did too. I also feel super inspired and fired up. And I hope you got a lot out of this as well. There's tons of links over in the show notes. So make sure you go over to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 228 to get access to everything Kate mentioned in the show, plus access to reaching out to her through different areas in her community. You can get the book. Everything that she mentioned is over there. Additionally, make sure you support our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors, Songfinch and to Effie Tal. You can support them as well by going to the show notes. They are all linked up over there as well. So thank you for spending time with us today. I know you learned something new. Make sure you put it into action. The first step you can take in putting it into action is by courageously sharing this episode with other people in your life who you would like to inspire to take more courageous action every damn day. You can share the episode by taking a screenshot on your phone and then posting to social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy. You can also get a link for the show and share that way. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 228, you'll get that link and you can share that via email, via social media, wherever you want to share things with people that you love and want to inspire. If this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a new episode and make sure you subscribe to this show. So pop into your podcast app, click on that little subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. For most of you, that's going to be an Apple podcast and you can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will drop you right into your Apple podcast app right specifically to our show where you can hit the subscribe button and you can leave a review while you're there. Remember that my reviews are my ratings and the more highly ranked my show is, the more shameless moms I can reach out to connect with an impact and help them live more shamelessly. So I appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. I hope you had a fantastic day listening to this. I cannot wait to be back here in a few more days to be with you again and learn together another time. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. 
You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.